Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer in Atlanta. We cover soccer in Georgia. We cover soccer in the Southeast, in the United States, in this hemisphere, in the world. We hit everything we can in a jam-packed hour of soccer content on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Make sure you are subscribed to off the woodwork to get all of the soccer content that we are giving to you from 92.9 The Game and from Odyssey. we got a lot to talk about this week. The Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, Atlanta United's journey in it in 2023. That starts on Wednesday. There's a road match in Nashville on Saturday. We have lots of things going on in the local soccer scene, but we got to start, as we always do, with what happened in the last Atlanta United match. And this was a weird match. Yesterday afternoon, which is already weird enough because it's not in that time slot that we're so accustomed to now, Saturday at 7.30, anything outside of that feels strange to me at this point. This game felt strange. It played out in a very strange way. Atlanta United and the Chicago Fire didn't start that strange. Atlanta United actually looked really good early on. They get the opening goal, and then things got weird and disjointed and awkward and just weird, like just just odd. Atlanta United then gave up a very odd equalizer on a big mistake from Franco Ibarra, who really hasn't made any of those this season. But then they found a late winner on an own goal. Uh, okay, there's a lot to get into here. I think the most important thing, though, is that this was not a great performance from Atlanta United. But I don't mind saying that it was a great win. I'm going to try to unpack a lot of things out of that statement. Number one, Chicago deserves credit for their performance, especially on the defensive side. I know it's easy to think back to how Chicago has been in recent years. Um, it's been a while since Chicago has been a 
a top team in Major League Soccer. But this is a top defensive team in Major League Soccer so far in 2023. They'd only lost once coming into this season or coming into this match. They came into the match in some very key defensive statistics among the best teams in the league. Third in dual success. Fourth in lowest passing percentage allowed. Third in fewest passes allowed into the attacking third. Fourth in defensive actions. Look, numbers don't tell the whole story. They never do. A whole season of numbers don't tell the whole story. They can't. It's not how this game is structured. Can they point you in the right direction about some things? Absolutely, they can do that. And I think they do in this case. This is a good Chicago team, and this is especially a good defensive team. Now, all that being said, Atlanta United has to find solutions in games like this, and they really didn't do that against the fire. Chicago had a game plan that it was it was fascinating to me, and Derek Etienne spoke to reporters after the game and said that Chicago did things that they did not see on tape, the things that Chicago hasn't really done this season. And I completely agree. I was dumbfounded by the lineup that Ezra Hendrickson put out. You didn't really have a number six. Now, Gaston Jimenez was coming back from an injury, so not 100%. Jordan Shakiri was as well, and I didn't expect him to start, and I definitely didn't expect him to work as hard on the defensive side, even though that really cost him, maybe made him a little more anonymous on the attacking side. Chicago had an eight in the midfield in Fabian Herbers, who, yes, he's playing deeper this season, but he's not a traditional six by any means. They had two tens in terms of the the characteristics that the players bring to the table in Jordan Shakiri and, and Brian Gutierrez. They had two wingers in Marin Haley Selassie and Chris Mueller. And they had their number nine in Kai Kamara. That's very attack minded on paper, but they defended really well with that front six and it gave Atlanta fits and they, they packed the middle third. They did pick their spots to step up and press higher. And sometimes it was one. Sometimes it was two with Shakiri jumping up and joining Kamara. They rotated really well defensively, and that made them unpredictable. Look, that's not easy to replicate. I, I don't know if a, a team can come in and say, okay, this is the key to making Atlanta frustrated. We don't play a six, and we play an eight and two tens, and then we ask them to defend. Look, that's not a recipe for success, but it worked in this game. And Atlanta has to find a way to deal with it because while teams can't exactly replicate what Chicago did in this match, they can take elements of it and they can put that into their own game plan and learn from this. We do see teams against Atlanta play high press and they play high press against everybody and it's disruptive against everybody Atlanta included I think Atlanta actually this season is built to handle those teams better than they've ever been and I think so far this season we've seen that with the win over the Red Bulls and just more composed play against high pressure I actually think that this team can handle that better than they ever have we see teams sit deep 
and play a low block against Atlanta United. And and that's difficult against anybody because you're just clogging up the, the attacking third and you've got to work the ball around to find those openings. That is a universal kind of thing to do if, if you're an underdog. We haven't seen anybody do what Chicago did and really make the middle third of the pitch fill it with landmines and, and guys jumping into passing lanes unexpectedly and rotations being strange. And again, you have to give credit to Ezra Hendrickson for getting his players to execute an unorthodox game plan. They did. They did well. Atlanta still has to find a way to handle that better. And that's something that they did not do in this game. I think it frustrated Gonzalo Pineda and his comments after the match kind of spoke to that. You have to give Chicago credit, but you also have to have a higher expectation of dealing with that and finding a way. And they didn't find those solutions. They weren't easy to find. What I kept coming back to in this game, and it probably was unfair because of some of the personnel issues that Atlanta had, you know, maybe you play a little more direct in a game like this. You are going to concede possession to an extent, but it allows you to, to counter press and create some turnovers that way. It also gets you, instead of trying to play through that jam-packed middle third, maybe you're skipping the lines a little bit more and either finding the space where they would have more holding midfield support, which they typically do with Gaston Jimenez, who did come in. And honestly, I didn't think he made them better defensively. I think it changed. It made it a little more traditional. Okay, maybe you can skip that first line of pressure if you're Atlanta United in games like this in the future. Maybe you can just play long and, and make the team have to run back towards their goal and press them. That can work. This Atlanta United team on Sunday, though, was not at 100%. Tiago Almada not at 100% was a, a big effect in this game, in my opinion. He had an amazing ball to Brooks Lennon to open the field up to create the first goal. And, and Lennon got to give Brooks Lennon a ton of credit for getting there, putting in a cross, and Yorgos Yakimaki scoring his fifth goal in his fifth start. He's only the second player in Major League Soccer history to do that. Great goal. Almada wasn't his usual self here. We saw that injury late in the game at Yankee Stadium. Didn't play last week. Found out before this match that you know he didn't train 100% fully at maybe full speed is the important element here. So he wasn't 100%. I think in games like this, his movement can open teams up. I don't think he had as much movement in him in this game. He got almost 70 minutes in, which was important, but it wasn't 100% Tiago Almada for those 70 minutes. Same for Yorgos Yakimakis, who didn't get 70 minutes. He didn't get 60. Uh, had another issue where he felt something in his hamstring. I think he was coming out anyway. I think that was a planned substitution. Miguel Barry was already jersey on, ready to go before Yakamaki sat down and was in discomfort. Luckily, it felt like, again, after the match, Yorgos was was walking around okay. Get back to Yorgos after the match because there's another very important element of this game that I, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. So not having Almada and Yakamaki's at 100% in this game, it did affect what Atlanta could do to counteract Chicago. Late in games, Atlanta's got to do things more simply to close games out. And this was another opportunity to make a statement about closing games out. And they didn't. They did get the win, but they didn't close out what they had initially. 
Franco Ibarra not at his best. Again, talk about players not training fully. Franco Ibarra hasn't trained fully in two weeks. That collision with James Sands took its toll on Ibarra as well. Looked like he was really struggling to find his rhythm more on the ball than on the defensive side. He can't make the pass that he did that Chicago pounced on to create their late equalizer. He can't do that. And I think Franco Ibarra in 2023, prior to the collision with James Sands, didn't make those kinds of plays. This was a big mistake, and it felt like he was tight. It felt like he was tentative, and it felt like he was worried when he was under some pressure in the middle third and tried to force a ball backwards, and he didn't need to do that. It would have been better to try to put it through the hole in the roof. It would have been better to try to put it into the window in our press box, whatever, than what he did. That's a big mistake. Can't happen again. What I loved about this game and why I feel like it is a great win is the team didn't drop their heads. I loved the long run down the right side by Mateus Hosechu. Got on the end of a long ball to flip the field, helped earn the corner that Atlanta found a way to somehow get in the back of the net. A little bit of help from Mr. Own Goal, a little bit of help from Juano Parata. Doesn't matter. It's a second goal of the day, and that is enough in this game to get three points. That response makes this a great win in my mind. Not a great performance by any stretch. Not a good performance. Not as bad of a performance as some will lead you down the road to believe because you can't talk about a match and how it goes without talking about both teams. You're not playing Joe Smith, generic FIFA player on the video game who has no personality and has no tactical instruction. That's not how games go. You're playing a team that has been really good defensively all year long, by the way. You're playing a team that has a manager who makes decisions about how he's going to play against Atlanta United. And Ezra Hendrickson's game plan was excellent. His players executed. It was very, very good. You can't talk about, well, Atlanta was very bad. And that's all. It wasn't in a vacuum. They did play somebody on the field in this game. And Chicago played well. But ultimately, Chicago did not play well enough to win the match. They played well enough to frustrate Atlanta. But that was the majority of their game plan, frustrating the opposition, not winning the game themselves. They were not good in the attacking third. They did not look comfortable in those attacking moments. They did a lot to make Atlanta not comfortable in getting the ball forward. Atlanta couldn't build up the play well against Chicago because of the way Chicago defended and because Atlanta wasn't sharp. One of the reasons they weren't sharp was the way Chicago defended. Atlanta in this game did enough to get the three points, but they have to play better to breathe easier. Because every game can't be stressful. That takes a toll on a team. I go back to 2018 when Atlanta went down to Orlando. Jason Christ was still in charge of Orlando at this time. Wow, this is a long time ago. Uh, Orlando was on, I think, a six or seven game winning streak. But all of them were either comebacks or close games. And it was stressful. What happened in that game? Atlanta outplayed Orlando. And Orlando broke emotionally. Just completely broke. Cue Will Johnson's face. 
screaming after a horrible dive. They broke because you can't play stressful games all the time. Atlanta United has been doing that too much so far in 2023. That's got to change. Atlanta didn't play bad enough to lose. They did enough to win barely, but they've got to play better to breathe easier. Chicago played well enough to frustrate Atlanta, but not well enough to win the match. Welcome to MLS in 2023. Sometimes it is absolute chaos. Coming up in five minutes, we're going to go a little bit deeper into Atlanta and Chicago. We'll take a look around the rest of the league, and we will also set the table for a busy week of Five Stripes soccer. Be back in five minutes on Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Got to knock down some final thoughts here on this match against Chicago. And I will answer a question from a loyal listener and good friend of the show, Will in Alabama. Uh, I wanted to know if there were any thoughts about the flying elbow that was Mick Foley-esque from Rafael Shihos on Yorgos Yakimakis. Um. (laughs) <laughs> I do have some thoughts. One, I, I think it's sad that we're becoming so, you know, desensitized to uh, Atlanta United players getting hit by opponent, opposing players that we just don't even really think about how big of an effect it could have had on this match. I, am I crazy that I was very upset about a elbow slash forearm to uh, Yorgos Yakamakis's head in the 18? Was I out of line in 
being worked up about that. I I thought it was kind of clear that Shios led, led with his arm extended. I don't think he threw the elbow at Yakamakis. He didn't like cock it back and throw it, but he jumps into him leading with his arm at Yakamakis' head. Maybe we are just completely like not feeling this as a bad thing anymore after what happened to Brad Kazan at Yankee Stadium, where uh, it was told to Atlanta United fans and, and people that they were overreacting because uh, that was not a, a bad play from Gabe Siegel. Um, it did injure Brad Kazan, by the way, and it wasn't normal contact that did. And a foul was called, by the way, on that as well. Maybe we just don't notice these things anymore because they seem to happen on a regular basis. I'm shocked that it wasn't looked at. I don't think it was looked at. If it was, it was looked at in the time frame that Yakimakis was down with a potential head injury. That's outlandish that this continues to happen. Um, I am worked up about it. And Will, I told you that I wasn't going to pop a blood vessel. I'm trying not to, but I'm really getting tired of seeing these kinds of things. Whether it's Corey Burke charging into Brad Kazan, uh, getting a foul called, getting a yellow card. Whether it's Gabe Siegel uh, charging into Brad Kazan and injuring him and getting a foul called, but not getting a yellow card and not getting sent off uh, when he made knee-to-knee contact on a goalkeeper who was not able to protect himself because he was coming for the ball. Um, also, when your player goes up in the air like Yorgos Yakamakis and a defensive player in Rafael Shios leads with his arm slash elbow slash forearm and hits Yakumakis in the head. That's not okay. And I'm shocked that it wasn't looked at more, and I'm shocked that it wasn't called a foul or a card. This was after, I think, it was a foul, and I think the VAR agreed that it was a foul, and I don't know if we'll get an explanation on this one. Uh, don't hold your breath. On Shihos fouling Yakumakis from behind, possibly allegedly. I do think the contact was outside the 18. So the video assistant referee could not recommend a review in this case because they cannot recommend a review in a situation that is not a penalty. And I don't think it rose to the level of dog. So there were other defenders close enough and it's so close to the 18 that usually that distance, it, it just changes the, the paradigm here. That typically isn't looked at for dog so, and I'm okay with the VAR not recommending that for dog so, and I'm okay with the VAR not recommending it to be looked at if they judge that the foul was outside the box. I'm not okay with that contact not being called a foul initially because Yakimaki's got between the ball and the defender first, did what attackers do and what has been called many times in this league this season where the defender runs through the back of the attacker because they get there first and they angle their bodies to where they draw the contact. It's smart from an attacker to do that. And it was smart from Yorgos Yakimakis to do that. And it should have been a free kick at the top of the 18. This was before Yorgos Yakimakis took a elbow slash forearm slash arm to the head. And there was nothing wrong with that. According to the referee crew, I think Victor Rivas did a fine job outside of those issues. Um, look, it's hard to do this. And I, I do want to, absolutely caution fans from immediately thinking that the ref is bad if they miss a call. Refs are going to miss calls. They will every game, every single game. I'm going to caution fans from thinking there's conspiracies or any of that because there's not. 
There's not. That doesn't exist. I'm going to caution fans from thinking that any time a game doesn't go the best way for your team, that it's the referee's fault. The referee didn't have anything to do with the way this game played out in terms of Atlanta not being able to progress the ball well forward because Chicago defended well. And Chicago had nothing to do with Chicago's equalizing goal, had nothing to do with Atlanta's go-ahead goal, had nothing to do with any of that. Could things have been different if a penalty was given when Yakimakis was hit in the head? Absolutely. Could things have been different if a foul happened at the top of the 18 and it's a free kick for Tiago Almada in that situation? Absolutely. Those kinds of game-changing decisions do happen every game, and sometimes referees get them wrong. I think Victor Rivas is a good referee. I actually like his work. I didn't like it in this game. Referees are like players. They have good games and bad games, too. And one bad game doesn't make them an awful referee, and it doesn't mean that all of the league's referees are bad and none of those things. When I will talk to you about referees, whether it's in a game call or here on Atlanta Soccer Tonight or any other time on 92.9 The Game or anything else I do, I will try to explain to you thoroughly. And if I don't, please ask me. You know where I am on Twitter at Longshoe or on Instagram at Longshoe, wherever you want to find me and yell at me. Please do. If I don't explain thoroughly what I'm disagreeing with when it comes to a referee, please ask. Because I never want to come off as someone who just thinks referees are bad. I have too much respect for the profession and how how difficult it is and how I figured out really quickly when I tried to do it long time ago when I was in college that I wanted no part of it. No part of it. I did one season of intramural soccer at the University of Georgia, and I wanted no part of it after that. Way too difficult for me. I wasn't good at it. The guys who get to this level and the women who get to this level are outstanding in their field. They will get things wrong, though. I do want some bigger game management things to improve around the league. And player safety is part of that. And that's something that I feel like Atlanta United players have been let down in this season. Um, really, outside of that, I mean, this game is one that you have to, to take some lessons from and learn from. But you also can't overreact to, in my opinion, because... Chicago is good at disrupting you in a very different way than most teams. They did that. Atlanta United was not at 100%. They still found their way to get their win. And the thing that I take away from this game is at the very end of it, final whistle, Atlanta gets the crazy win off the own goal. And the first thing I saw after, I think it was after I did my little post-game wrap, I think it was when we went to commercial was I looked down on the monitor and Yorgos Yakimakis, who had left the game before the 60th minute, was out on the field, made a beeline for Franco Ibarra, put his arm around him, lifted his head up. Everybody in this team in that locker room knows how important Franco Ibarra has been to this team's success in 2023. He made a big mistake. But you can't let that big mistake be more than that one big mistake that your team bailed you out with. So hopefully, message heard by Ibarra, and you don't have this linger in his head to where he's hesitant to make decisions. And hopefully, this is something that can rally the team in terms of, you've got a guy in Yakimakis, the headliner, the showstopper, the guy who's got five goals and five starts. You've got him going out to make sure that the 21-year-old holding midfielder who just came back from injury and made a big mistake on the day Yakimakis went to make sure that he bought her as all right. 
I like that. I like that a lot. It says a lot about the character of Yorgos. It says a lot about the character of this team. And it's something that will be needed this week because it is a very busy week. Open Cup, third round. Atlanta United enters the tournament here, and they've got a tough draw. It's Memphis 901. This is a good USL championship team. They're led by a great manager in our old friend Stephen Glass. Remember him? Atlanta United 2, interim Atlanta United manager in 2020. Nearly somehow got that 2020 team without Joseph Martinez and coming out of the complete lockdown into the weird in-between area that we were in for a long time. He almost got them into the playoffs. His team's starting to figure things out in Memphis as well. They're unbeaten in four straight, punctuated by a 3-0 win on the road against Rio Grande Valley on Saturday night. Aaron Malloy, one of the best midfielders in the second division. He's creating over four chances per game so far this season. His midfield partner, Jeremy Kelly, he had the late winner in the second round in Knoxville in extra time to get Memphis to the stage. Lots of MLS experience in this group. Graham Smith, formerly of Kansas City. Reese Buckmaster, formerly of the Red Bulls. Former D.C. United goalkeeper Bill Hamid. (gasps) We've seen Bill Hamid stand on his head a few times against Atlanta United. I don't want to see that on Wednesday, but you know he's capable of it. Even at this point in his career, he is capable of those kinds of nights. Then there's the players that are making their returns to Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw, like Philip Goodrum, Luis Fernando, Laurent Kissiadu. These are guys who have played and trained with Atlanta United and Atlanta United 2. These are guys who will have plenty of friends and family in the building. And these are guys who will be out to make a point against the team that ultimately let them go. Atlanta's got to handle this game intelligently. Memphis has got so many characteristics that giant killers in cup competitions have. It scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. We see these storylines pop up in cups all over the world. And Memphis has got so many. They've got that goalkeeper that can win the game and ruin your day. They've got a guy in Philip Goodrum who scored a boatload of goals last year. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. They've got that midfielder in Malloy who's got the quality to play at the next level. They've got all the characteristics of a lower division team that can ruin your day. Atlanta United can't allow that to happen. I think you really have to get through the first 20, 30 minutes. Memphis will hit a wall of fatigue. That's a long trip, no matter how you do it, to Rio Grande Valley and back to Memphis and then to Atlanta. That's a lot of travel for Memphis. Atlanta United didn't have to travel last weekend. They're going to hit a wall late in the half. They're going to hit a wall late in the second half. I'm not saying Atlanta just holds serve and then tries to get them late in the half, but you do have to manage the game while Memphis is at full strength and then take advantage when that fatigue gets felt. And it will be noticeable, I think. And that's when Atlanta United's got to strike. I can't wait to see what the lineup's going to be. I'm fascinated to see how much rotation we'll see. I wonder if we'll see any Atlanta United two players in this match. I don't know. Goalkeeper situation? I don't know. Quentin Westberg. Left at halftime, Claymont Diop, maybe going to go because he's the only one. Uh, Maybe Vicente Reyes gets the call up because you can do that. Open Cup games are a little bit different with the roster rules. We will see. I can't wait for Wednesday. You can hear the match here on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app starting at 7 o'clock with the Five Stripes countdown. Then, (laughs) it's not all that's not That's not the whole week. Got to go to Nashville, second game of the week. That's an early kickoff time on Saturday afternoon. And just like Chicago is one of the best defensive teams in Major League Soccer, Nashville is even better. Now, they do it in a little bit more of a low block. They've only conceded five goals in 2023. They've only scored eight. 
They do have the reigning MVP in Hadi Mukhtar, but they've only got eight goals this year. Walker Zimmerman left Nashville's match over the weekend. Tightness in his groin. They didn't want to risk an injury. We'll have to see how he's progressed this week. I don't think he'll start or play in their Open Cup match. Nashville, Wednesday night, they host San Antonio FC of USL Championship. This game's always interesting with Nashville and Atlanta, I think. And this one coming in after Open Cup midweek games, with depth being tested in both, in the Open Cup game for Atlanta and Nashville, and in their league matchup Saturday afternoon, I think it makes for a really strange game potentially on Saturday. Not as strange as the mega rain delayed game last year because that was super strange. I said it after I think Atlanta scored after Nashville scored or Nashville scored after Atlanta scored. I can't remember. It was a late night. I said this game's about to get stupid, y'all. Saturday afternoon could be stupid, y'all. It really could because afternoon games already have the tendency to be weird. This game with Open Cup in midweek could absolutely get weird. A couple of things before we go to break. St. Louis and Seattle, they lead the West by one point over LAFC. New England and Cincinnati, they lead the East by two points over Atlanta, five points over NYC. New England and Cincinnati also tied for the Supporters' Shield lead. Miami's lost six in a row. Talk about Phil Neville's job security heating up. And Philadelphia and LAFC meet in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal first leg on Wednesday night. LAFC goes in after a draw in Nashville. Philadelphia goes in after a big 4-2 win over Toronto. They didn't rotate their lineup either. Can't wait to see that Wednesday night starting at 9 o'clock. Be able to watch the second half after Atlanta United and Memphis in Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup action. Coming up next, three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. 3-4-3 three, three is up next in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three, four. Three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. 
Welcome back. Time for the 3-4-3 to close out Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Y'all know how this goes by now. Three local stories, four world headlines, and three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Let's start on the local side. Number one, Atlanta United 2. I cannot recommend to you enough to get out to Kennesaw, Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Yes, it's action at the fraction. It is fun to watch this team come together right now. Back-to-back wins in MLS Next Pro. A huge 2-0 win over Chicago on Saturday night. This is a team that it really reflects the DNA of Atlanta United. When... When you have a second team and an academy as well, um, and I hope academy games are, are more open to the public, you know, on, on a more regular basis. It's something that just right now, facility wise, it's hard to do. Uh, I'd love to see more of that because one, I, I'd go watch those games too because I'm crazy like that. But if you love a club, it's I think it's so important to see the next generation come through. Because those are the guys who really reflect the club's philosophy, the ethos, the the DNA. And Atlanta United 2 is doing that. Look, it took a minute. It was the first game. Uh, first half was bad. Second half was really good. Second game, first half was good. Second half wasn't against the Red Bulls. Uh, the game in New York wasn't very good at all. And Steve Cook told us after that that the, the players after game three kind of had a, a little bit of a, a locker room meeting and guys that you wouldn't expect spoke up the veteran guys in that group. Of course, they're going to speak up and they're going to talk about the standard, but guys like Vicente Reyes, who's a teenager spoke up guys like Eric Lopez, who has been playing his tail off right now for Atlanta United too. Yes. Eric Lopez, Eric Lopez has been great for the twos, a complete number nine right now pressing dropping in to get on the ball, playing as a target, stretching the field, combining with others. Eric Lopez has been outstanding, but Nick Firmino is the one who's really personifying this team right now. Two goals against Chicago. Firmino's got five on the year. Get out and watch the twos play. Get out to the proving ground. It is so cool to see this team coming together. So many different stories within the group. But Nick Firmino right now is leading the way and leading by example. It's very cool to see. Number two on the local side, Commerce. Commerce High School, the Commerce Tigers. They have continued their dominance in Georgia High School girls soccer. 10-0 win on the road over Bleckley County tonight. The Tigers are 20-1 and this season, and they're led by Ivy Tolbert's 82 goals. Do the math. 21 games, 82 goals. That's insanity. And she's actually behind her pace from last year where she scored over 100. She's a junior, by the way. She's going to Cornell after next season. And she's already got over 250 goals in her high school career. Yeah. Yeah. Commerce is a fun team to watch. They lost in overtime last year in the state championship game to Social Circle. That was a 6-4 game. Uh, it was 4-4 at the end of regulation. A rematch is possible between those two. Both teams have made it to the 1AD1 Final Four. Social Circle, though, they have a really tough match on Thursday against Paideia, who's ranked number two in 1AD1 behind Commerce. Paideia 
lost to St. Pius in game one of the season. They've won 14 in a row since. Uh, I called their game for NFHS tonight where they beat Lamar County 9-1. And while I'm giving shout-outs, uh, so much credit to Lamar County. Yeah, they lost 9-1, but you had so many players in that team fight until the very, very end. I was so impressed with, with how hard they worked. Uh, no seniors in that Lamar County group at all either. Uh, the Trojans will be around. They were they were a fun team to just watch their character emerge against a, an outstanding team in Paideia. Paideia Social Circle on Thursday at Avondale Stadium. 5.30 kick. You might want to circle that one if you're you're on the east side of town. You can get over for that. Should be a really good girls' high school match. All right, number three, while we're staying on the high school tip, because we are in quarterfinal, semifinal week. Huge boys quarterfinal tomorrow night, just around the corner from our studios in Colony Square, by the way. Midtown hosting McIntosh. That's at Eddie S. Henderson Stadium. Kickoff 730. The Chiefs rank number one in 5A, number one in all classifications. They've been number one pretty much all year long. 19-0-1 this season. They've got to go on the road to advance to the semifinals. Midtown, I called their game last week, round of 16. They demolished Clark Central. They've got the home field advantage. There's a whole bunch of other great games around the state as well tomorrow on the boys' side. Semifinals, girls will be played Thursday. Boys will be played Friday. In some rare cases, there could be a doubleheader that's moved to the other day. Finals will be next week at McEachern High School for 1A D2 for 2A, for 4A, and for 6A. And then 1AD1, 3A, 5A, 7A will be at Mercer University Five Star Stadium. That's where I'll be. Um, I'll be calling games with Luke Winstall and with our friend Jessica Charman. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to NFHS for this these two weeks if you're a big soccer fan. There's a ton of good games on there. I watched Walton uh, beat Harrison in overtime tonight on the girls' side. Big win for Walton. All right, number four world headlines. Let's start with number one, Maurizio Pochettino. Advanced talks with Chelsea to become the manager at Stamford Bridge. He would replace Frank Lampard before the start of next season. I, I think Lampard's going to see this rest of the season out no matter what happens, and it's not good so far. Uh, ESPN is reporting that Pochettino is in those advanced talks. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Um, they fired Graham Potter on April 3rd. He had seven months in charge. They fired Thomas Tuchel before that, after the season started. Chelsea had a short list that had as many as seven names on it. Julian Nagelsmann was at the top of the list. He dropped out of the running. Uh, that happened on Friday. Luis Enrique, near the top of the list. Didn't get past the initial discussions. Um, Carlo Ancelotti on the list. But now... ESPN is reporting that Pochettino is in detailed discussions about taking over the team. He was interviewed for Manchester United last season, got to the final two. Eric Tenog got the job. Tenog's done a really good job. He was interviewed by Chelsea after they fired Thomas Tuchel, and then they hired Graham Potter instead, and now they fired Graham Potter, and now they're going to go back to the person that they didn't hire at that time. That's awkward. Pochettino's also been linked, awkwardly, with a return to Tottenham. Tottenham needs a manager. Antonio Conte, he was let go in March. The interim successor, his assistant, Christian Stellini, he's gone after a 6-1 loss to Newcastle on Sunday. Five goals in like 20 minutes. <sighs> so if Pochettino 
gets passed over for Manchester United, gets passed over for Chelsea, is linked to going back to Tottenham, and then ends up at Chelsea. Ooh. I don't know how Tottenham's going to feel about that. I don't know how Tottenham fans are going to feel about that. I don't know how Chelsea fans are going to feel about that. I don't know how Pochettino's going to feel about that. It's just a weird situation all the way around. Number two on the world headlines, Matt Crocker. Get to know the name. He is currently Southampton's director of football operations. He is expected to be announced tomorrow as the new sporting director for the United States Soccer Federation. He would be replacing Ernie Stewart, who left the job in February. Ernie Stewart went to PSV Eindhoven to take on their director of football role. U.S. Soccer has said that they don't want to hire a permanent men's head coach until they hire the sporting director. This would progress that whole pathway to getting a permanent coach. In February, Crocker was involved in discussions between Southampton and Jesse Marsh about their managerial vacancy. Marsh was fired by Leeds on February 6th. He was very close to going to Southampton, according to some reports at the time. Didn't. Crocker, hey, look, he, he really fits a lot of the, the boxes that U.S. Soccer wanted from a candidate. Crocker worked in youth development at Southampton. He helped build the women's team there as well. So those are very important elements because Crocker will not just be in charge of the men's national team. He'll be in charge of all 27 national teams under the U.S. soccer umbrella. That's youth teams. That's men's and women's teams. That is the Paralympic teams. That's beach soccer. It's everything. Um, he will set out the technical vision. He'll oversee talent identification. All of these things are similar to what he's been doing at Southampton. And he's done really well at Southampton. He was also before that seven years with the English FA, head of development teams there, responsible for the pathway for all England youth teams from U15s to U20s, national team coaches, team operations, player education, coach education. All of these things Crocker was involved in with the English FA at that time. Fits a lot of the characteristics of what you're looking for here. So Matt Crocker expected to be announced as the new sporting director for U.S. soccer tomorrow. Number three on the world headlines. This is a big week in the Premier League on a lot of different fronts. Manchester City, potential title decider against Arsenal on Wednesday. That's going to get the headlines. There's a bunch of other things, though. Leeds United fans, their game with Leicester, Leeds fans might tell you that their game is bigger than the Arsenal-Manchester City game because you're talking 16 and 17 right now. Whoever loses that is going to be on the brink of the bottom three. Whoever loses that relegation to the championship looks likelier than ever. Also, Tottenham and Manchester United play on Thursday. If Manchester United wins, that will all but seal a top four spot, get them going into the Champions League next year, have Tottenham really trying to fight it out to get into the Europa League or even the Europa Conference League. If Spurs wins and bounces back after a humiliating loss to Newcastle, then that blows the, the top four Champions League spots wide open because the gap to fourth place is just three points at that point. Wild week of midweek Premier League action, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Four on the headlines, third round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. I mean, we talked about it from an Atlanta perspective and a Nashville perspective, but you've got danger in the air for the first group of MLS teams, 18 of them, that enter into the third round. 
At this stage last year, we saw five cup sets. Three of those saw MLS teams get knocked out by lower league opposition. Two biggest underdogs left in the tournament, Tulsa Athletic and Chicago House AC. They're both amateurs. They're both playing MLS teams in the third round. And they both have interesting matchups. Tulsa, they beat FC Tulsa at Hicks Park. If you didn't see the highlights from this game, go look them up on YouTube. It, it is like just a regular public park. Uh, fans are like lined up around with a rope around the field. It, it's amazing. Um, Tulsa Athletic winning that, they get to go to Sporting Kansas City, who is not exactly playing well in 2023. They are ripe for the picking if you're Tulsa Athletic. That would be an amazing upset. Chicago House, they play Chicago Fire. Crosstown rivalry there. That could get really interesting. Other games to keep an eye on, Detroit City. They play host to Minnesota United. Detroit City won against an MLS team last year when they beat Columbus Crew. That is a tough place to go in and play. St. Louis, they play Union Omaha. Union Omaha made a run to the quarterfinals last year. They beat Chicago. They beat Minnesota. St. Louis dropped points in falling to a draw in Colorado over the weekend. D2 versus D3. You got Pittsburgh hosting uh, Maryland Bobcats. That could be an interesting one. Bobcats got through out of Nisa. They got through in the last round. You have a Miami Classico with Inter-Miami, who is not exactly playing well right now. Six straight losses. They are playing the Miami FC from USL Championship, who has made a run to the quarterfinals in their history. Going to be a fun time. I love the tournament. Can't wait for these games to kick off. Three things that make me smile about this game. One of them is the Open Cup. And it's not just because of a regular matchup here in this round or whatever. The Open Cup is the most neglected property by the United States Soccer Federation. This tournament should be insanely huge. The NCAA basketball tournament is incredibly big for college basketball. This has some of those effects. You have the Cinderella stories, but it's even more pronounced in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. The fact that not all of the games are being in any way normally broadcast is very frustrating. The fact that the publicity for the draw is not being handled well, incredibly frustrating. The Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup makes me smile about this game because of all the stories that we get out of it, whether it's a, a Christos FC sponsored by a liquor store going on Cinderella runs, whether it is just great cup action where you get new names that pop up. I love the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. I can't wait for the third round to kick off tomorrow night. Number two on things that make me smile about this game, uh, I was part of the WPSL launch event for Georgia Impact in Canton on Friday night. I love what that club is doing in the community from youth all the way up now to a senior women's team. It's very, very cool to see. The reaction in Canton was awesome at Reformation Brewery. Just had a great time. Saw a ton of Atlanta United jerseys and got to meet some of the players, got to meet the coaching staff. If you're on the north side of Atlanta, WPSL this summer, go check out Georgia Impact. And I'm about to drop a podcast tomorrow from that event and some of the conversations that I had with players and coaches. So check that out at soccer down here. Number three, last thing that makes me smile about this game this week, Cooper Sanchez making his debut for Atlanta United 2. Cooper just turned 15 last month. He came on in stoppage time in the win on Saturday night. 
he is a player who earned that spot. He's trained with the team. He has handled the level. He has handled the level physically. He's handled the level technically. He doesn't look out of place. And he earned time at 15 in less than a month in MLS Next Pro. That is what Atlanta United 2 is all about. That is a huge accomplishment for the Atlanta United Academy, Matt Lowry, all of the coaching staff over there. And it's just so cool to see these next generation kids coming through. Cooper Sanchez was probably in the stands at Atlanta United games when he was seven, eight years old. That's amazing now that he's playing in an MLS Next Pro game. And who knows? Maybe he's not far away from a senior Nash, senior club debut. You never know. Join Mike Conti and me for stoppage time tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, 2 o'clock. It's Open Cup week. we got to move it to Tuesday. You can watch on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day, that's going to post on the Off the Woodwork podcast and the 92.9 The Game YouTube page on Friday before the game against Nashville. And then Nashville, it's 1 o'clock, 92.9 The Game. The Odyssey app, Five Stripes Countdown kickoff will be sometime before 2 o'clock, and full-time report will follow the final whistle. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight on another edition of Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Adios, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.